Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Fumble. It's good to be back. Myself, Vernon Kay, and the main man, Darren Fletcher, bringing you all the latest, well, what we consider all the latest from inside and outside, from up and down below in the NFL. Now, Darren, we've got a lot to cover because we've been away for a, for a few weeks, but is everything all right in the Fletcher household? Mrs. all right? Kids all right? Mrs. good. Kids good. I doubt you've even seen yours, have you, for the last few weeks? We're strictly on at the minute, so you, you, you must literally be a one-man show at the minute, aren't you? I, I am proper daddy daycare, but you know what? I'm <laughs> loving it. I, I, now know, uh, I now know our local goat ape inside and out. It's literally upside and down. <laughs> Uh, because that's my go-to now. It, it's no longer... You, you'll know as a parent, you go from those kind of daycare centres which have got a ball pit and a, a slide, and then you get into outdoor activities. And with your with your kids, it, it's football. I've got two daughters, so it's Barbie dolls, dancing, ballet, uh, a little bit of YouTube, and getting to know all the influencers, mainly makeup and drag queens, Darren. That's what I'm into okay. at the moment. Uh, so, but, but our go-to is go ape. It's go ape. Like, come on, kids, we're going go ape. They love it. Love it. It's awesome. I love it. I love it. Look, I, I apologise to everybody that we've been away a while, but logistically, it's just not worked. And we've got to get our finger out, I know. And we have pretty much bowed to peer pressure this week because we've had a bit of stick on social media. Where are you? Where's the fumble? I think it's even reached NFL HQ in London that the fumble's not been on. Our main um, uh, downloader, listener, the great Alistair Kirkwood, I think <laughs> even he's noticed that we've not been on for a few weeks. So apologise. We apologise to everyone, including Alistair. Uh, we're back and we're going to be here now right the way through the Super Bowl. And we, we promise we'll make sure of that, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do indeed. And, you know, it's difficult because you've got the Champions League. And uh, like you say, I, I've got other bits and pieces going on with the rugby and the Formula E is about to start as well. Uh, but we will logistically get this sorted. And we got, will. And you've got to remember that uh, we, we do this for, for what, well, what you would class as shits and giggles. We have a good time doing this because I like to think that we open various cans of worms where we can get the NFL UK uh, glitterati and the NFL UK fan base really involved in some of the topics that we talk about and we've got a couple coming up today on today's show listen let, let me just make a thing before we before we go any further I think we've got to get the cards on the table here and I'm going to do it because I know you're too proud to do it you know when you're in the, you know when you're in the pub right and you've run out of cash 
and somebody says, can I get you a pint? And you know, you, you know, you, you probably can't get them one back. And you've got that dilemma. Do I take it and then backdoor it? Or am I honest enough to say, listen, I, I'd love one, thanks, but I, I can't get you one back. Do, do, do you know, you've been there, we've all been there. Oh, 100%. That's how I right. lived my teenage years, Darren. <laughs> right. We are, we, we are the podcast version of that. So yeah. Vernon and I pay out of our own pocket to do the podcast, right? So any cost, that we get for doing the podcast, we pay for because we love to do it. As Vern says, shits and giggles. We do it for bobbins. I'm going to stick a little plea out there now at this stage. Can we get a sponsor? Can somebody sponsor the podcast? Whoever that is, if you've got a bit of change down the back of the settee, send it our way. There must be a company out there that want to sponsor a great podcast like this with all of our great downloaders and listeners. If we had a sponsor, it would make this a lot easier. As it is, we haven't got one. Everybody else has got one. And we've not, I blame you, by the way. Everybody else has got one and we've not got one. So it would be great if at some stage we could get a sponsor. So listen, I'm there, Vern. Pride doesn't matter in the Fletcher household. I am stood here with a flat cap in my hand waiting for change to be tossed in. And when Darren says pride does not matter in the Fletcher household, listen, boys and girls, I've seen him drunk. Pride goes completely out of the window. Uh, so let's put our flat caps back on, Darren. Let's put the banjo right. in its box uh, and, and, uh, and, and let's crack on. Now, we're going to talk about the London Games. We're going to talk about the Patriots. We've got loads of stories coming your way. But there's breaking news, Darren. Breaking news oh. as we record this live on this wonderful Tuesday morning. Fire. Hit us with it, Darren. We couldn't have picked a better day to do it for the big comeback, could we? I mean, it's the best comeback since Elvis Presley with a story like this. I woke up this morning to see an article in The Athletic, which is fantastic, by the way. If you don't download The Athletic, if you're not subscribing to that, make sure you do, because it's, it's, it's brilliant. All the U.S. coverage on there, um, they could sponsor us, couldn't they? All the U.S. coverage on there, the Premier League stuff's on there as well now. But there was a story emanating from the U.S. that there is a growing sentiment um, across the pond that the Los Angeles Chargers would be an ideal candidate and wouldn't be averse to relocating to London. Now, we've always just presumed that this would be Jacksonville. But we said on this podcast a few weeks ago, I'm not blowing our own trumpets, but I am. Mm -hmm. We made the point a few weeks ago that if you looked at the NFL franchise as the one that has no love in the US, the, the Chargers, San Diego, the people love them, but the city don't love them because they won't build them a stadium. In L.A., they're playing in a 24,000-seater soccer stadium, which nobody cares about. It was a Packers home game at the weekend. There were no Charger fans there. The Chargers at the moment are a franchise without a home. And when they do get a home, they're going to be sharing it with the Los Angeles Rams. And it will be their home. It won't be the Chargers' home. They will be tenants, essentially. So they need to find somewhere to go and play. And there is a belief in the U.S. that they wouldn't be averse to switching their, their, their home base to London. They would become the London Chargers. Now, this is absolutely gigantic. This is not speculation. This is a U.S. story that's come from L.A. that suggests the Chargers could become London's team. I think it's fascinating. Now, Darren, isn't this the first time that U.S. media have actually thrown down a name with regards yes. to a franchise who could possibly 
moved to London. This is the first yeah. time that it's actually started over there and people have actually thought about, hang on a minute, and they've mentioned all the things that you have. The Chargers get no love. They're in a really, really... I've been to that stadium. The, the, what used to be, it used to be the Home Depot Stadium, didn't it, where the MLS uh, LA Galaxy, the Galaxy used to play. Yeah, where Steven Gerrard used to play. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. I watched, I watched the uh, California State High School Championship there once in 2010, believe it or not, and it absolutely okay. honked it down. The conditions were <laughs> dreadful. But that to one side. This is the first time that a story has been generated within the US and laid down the Chargers' claim that they could possibly be the first franchise to embed themselves in a, in a foreign territory. And I think it's really interesting because, let's be honest, the Chargers are the Chargers. They're four and five as we sit at the moment. And like you said, they played the Packers at the weekend and it was a Green Bay home game, albeit that the Chargers won. Now, do you think that having a franchise in London, Darren, do you think, let's have a serious conversation now because we've talked about it in the past. Do you think it's sustainable to have one franchise be our home team for a whole season? You know, <clears throat> so it's a fascinating question. And that, that is the only question that we cannot answer unless they actually do it. Someone has to come here for a year or two or just make the move permanently before that can ever be answered. Because at the moment, you can pick your game and we get a wonderful variety of games um, in London We've seen 31 of the 32 teams, and I'm pretty sure we'll see the 32nd, the Green Bay Packers, pretty soon. But I think the curiosity value is that you get the chance to see a variety of superstars if you go to all four games or you can pick the best one. I don't think we know yet, and we won't know yet, if we'll still sell out and how they're going to do the ticketing strategy to make sure that the games that people don't really want to see still get a decent crowd. I think we would, certainly initially. Whether that's sustainable, I don't know. And I also fear that if all of a sudden the Chargers become a losing franchise, will the crowd still support the same team eight weeks a year, knowing that they're not going to be very good? I remember when the, the World League started and there was all the, the pomp and circumstance around the London Monarchs and they were very good. They won the first World Bowl. But three or four seasons into that, the novelty had wore off and they weren't a very good team and people weren't going to watch it. We won't know until they do it. And I think that's, that's at some stage, they've just got to bite the bullet if that's what they want to do. And they've got to send a franchise here and, and, and work hard to make it work. Um, but but I, I, my opinion is that I think it would be sustainable to a level. I think it would be a pipe dream to think they could get 85,000 people every week. I think if, if, if you had a franchise in London and it averaged 45 to 50 week after week after week, I think you'd take it. Certainly, they could increase the numbers watching the Chargers because, as I say, their stadium at the minute only holds 25. We would smash that out the water. I certainly think for the first season or two, you'd play to sellouts. And I think it would then be about whether the NFL could market itself well enough here to make sure that's sustainable. So I, I just think it's the, the answer is, Vern, until they do it, we just don't know. Yeah, and, and you mentioned there the World League. That's one... It, it, it's one model or it's one blueprint that we can look back on. And yeah, they were different times. We only had four national broadcast channels which showed American football. I think the World League was on Channel 4 at the time. I don't think it had transferred over to Sky, if my memory serves me right. I think we had a little bit of screen sports as well. Um, but you're right. The novelty of the London Monarchs, once they started losing, once they uh, were no longer a novelty, once they became a mainstay in British culture... 
American football fans kind of walked away. And that's what's disappointing. And that's what worries me. And I know that's what uh, will worry the NFL, not only in New York, but in London as well, is yeah. are fans willing to sit week in, week out and watch a team that loses on a regular basis? And we, we always say on this podcast that the Jacksonville Jaguars are our team. They're our London Jacksonville Jaguars. And we've had two back-to-back victories seasons with the Jags and the rest of it they've lost and, I, and I'm starting to think now that we're getting a little bit tired of mm. the Jaguars doing what the Jaguars do and it pains me to say it because Shad Khan and his team are trying their damnedest and I think one thing that they've got to do is they have to take the London Jacksonville Jaguars out of London to promote the game not just a team promote the game and then we have to look at the CBA the combined bargaining agreement and the NFL Players Association they need to get together and say look we're going to take a franchise to London therefore we need to change the rules on what player personnel or what the players can do regarding the off-season and regarding their connection to a team because for a team to establish itself in London it has to be ever-present it has to be here week in week out the players can't just come spend 16 weeks here or eight weeks uh, of the regular season have a base here they need to come here they need to stay here now if you ask that of the players that means that some of them will have to move their families are they willing are they able are they capable to do that all these questions need to be answered because what we need is let's throw it out there we need people to be on the one show we need people to be on question of sport now i know oc and jason have done that but we need to get our faces behind the face mask onto our television so that we know who the players are we know what their story is we know what they're all about that's how we need to get american football back in the conscience of the UK fan base, but not just the American football fan base, the UK sports fan base, because UK sports fans come out the woodwork. You know what I mean, Darren? Look at the Olympics, look at the athletics, look at the rugby, uh, look at every sport, the boxing, AJ, huge, but not necessarily huge within the boxing fraternity, huge within households, because he's a character, Mm. and that's what we need to make of the players who come over. I think that, I know how hard the people work in the NFL UK office. We, we know them personally, and yeah. people might accuse us of being biased here. But that's not a very big team. And the amount of work that they do as a group to ensure that the London games are as successful as they are is phenomenal. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, that David Tossel and Hannah and Jamie and Alistair and people like that are laying down in darkened rooms now for the next month. Little <laughs> greenhouses with the curtains drawn. Because they absolutely, you know drive themselves into the ground to make sure that it works and they can provide the best experience to the supporters. They're working 20 hours. 20 hours yeah, they are. They are. But what, what I don't think is that there's been enough work. I'll use Jacksonville as the example. They've been the UK's team now for a period of time. It's a deal that runs out in 2020. So they've got one more to go. Shad Khan, the owner, said at the weekend that he'd like to extend the deal. Uh, that may or may not be likely, depending on whether this story with the charges is real or not. But what I would say is I don't think that they've done enough to establish themselves in the consciousness of the UK sports fan. Yes, the NFL fan in the UK knows about them. But if a franchise is going to work here, you have to be able to cross some boundaries. Mm. And I don't think that they've been proactive enough to get the Jaguars brand established in the UK. And I agree with you. This will be London's team, but it has to be the UK's team. Because London itself won't sustain an NFL franchise. You need people coming down from Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland and and the north of England and the west of England. All of these people have to be involved in this to make sure that there are enough people week after week supporting the sport 
and being able to support a franchise being here permanently. Also, and I think the, I think the NFL in, in, in New York have to look at this and say, right, what levels do we need to go to now to make sure they can't just send three or four alumni over three times a year and do a couple of evenings with and work it that way. There's got to be more. You've hit the nail on the head. We've got to start seeing people on a question of sport. You've got to start seeing them on, on, on Soccer AM. Sports-based programs, you've got to be able to get the NFL guys on. The one show's fantastic. Graham Norton on a, on a, on a, on a Friday night. Wouldn't Aaron Rodgers be great on there? Absolutely. But they've got to start to get people like that so that all of a sudden they become part of the public's consciousness, not just the NFL fan. We all know. We're all happy. We'll all get tickets and we'll all be there. But there's not enough of us. You've got to go and get people who don't know about it now to buy into it, want it, do it. And if they can do that, then I think it's definitely sustainable. Mm. But I think that's we can only do so much over here. And those guys in the, in the London office, the, the NFL UK office, can only take it so far. And I think it's time to go to the next level now if they want to make it work. I think one big thing is, is, is the business model within the NFL. And this is something that I know very little about. But you get a sense that everything that the NFL does is sponsored. Everything that is affiliated with the NFL is sponsored. There's always you a mentioned, name. You mentioned sponsors again. I am, I am, I am. But this time not for us, Darren. <laughs> we've, not, we've not got one. <laughs> exactly. But, but that, that's where our business model is wrong. <laughs> yeah, you totally know, wrong. Simple. <laughs> <I> think... <laughs> and that's where the NFL, that's why the NFL makes a lot of money. And that's why the NFL <laughs> is always conscious of its incomings and its outgoings. And I think they, they, they might have to stretch themselves a little bit more for yeah. maybe three or four or maybe five years where they say, listen, let's make a good, good foundation for the NFL because the last thing they want is to have pumped all that money into Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and only have it half full, only have 40,000 people mm. in there. That would be embarrassing because they've built a, a world-beating facility over there in North London. And to have a franchise and see it only half full on the sixth, let's say, home game in London would be embarrassing. And that's not what we want. We want to see it full every week. And I, that's why I think... OK, let's put the charges in the mix, maybe along with Shad Khan's Jacksonville Jaguars, but let's put out some season tickets first. And ever, we, I've been thinking about it since you sent me that tweet this morning about the Chargers' possibility, uh, the possibility of the Chargers becoming a franchise. Is why don't we just give the chance, the opportunity for UK fans to get an eight-game season ticket and then let's decide whether it's sustainable in the UK. Let's get out there. Let's go. Let's do some promo in Scotland. I know, like you said, Neil does his, uh, his evenings with and an audience with, but let's get out there. Let's, let's, let's get the American footballers in the consciousness of the British public. And I think that's the way we're going to grow the game. Because back in the 80s, and it's always a good reference point, when American football was massive, because everyone knew who Joe Montana was, they knew who Walter Payton was, they knew who Art Monk was even. They, they knew the Chicago Bears, the Miami Dolphins, the San Francisco 49ers. I think if you were to ask people name an American football team, I still think they would mention the Dolphins, the 49ers and the Bears. I think you're right. And there's been a bit of speculation in the US this week as well that the Dolphins are going to give up a home game next year and be an overseas team, whether that's in Mexico or London. And Simon, the producer, made the point that even though they stink and they're in full rebuild, rebuild mode, Tremendous amount of Miami Dolphins fans in the UK. Oh, you know, that huge. would be a game that would sell because there are so many Dolphins fans here. Yeah, and that huge. doesn't basically reflect the NFL landscape in general, does it? Because no. in, in, if you look at the stadium in Miami, 
there's more people in my house for a summer barbecue than, than are watching that lot at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here, you, here you, you get 80,000, 75, yeah. no you problem. Would. You no, would. You're right. You know, the, with, our demographic here is a little bit different to the demographic over there. I mean, I just think from a logistics standpoint, forgetting, forgetting all, the, all the mountains they've got to overcome to make sure it works. I just think what we do have here is a franchise that is a legitimate, um, has, a, has a legitimate reason to want to come here, that they've not got a home. They need, to, they need something to, to, to spark the franchise into life again. Yeah. They're coming to the end of Philip Rivers' time as the quarterback, so they're going to be starting again. Do they want to start in a brand new city, a brand new country? Do they want to be the market leaders, the first team to do it? Is this the perfect fit? They get the best stadium in the NFL until the one in LA is built by, by playing at Tottenham. We know how good that is. So straight away, they've got the facility. It all makes sense for them. This is the first time, Vern, I've ever sat and had a conversation with you and I can genuinely see a pathway to make it happen. In the past, it's always been a dream. It's always been a, a pipe dream, really, in, in, in many ways. Yeah. But this one does actually make a great deal of sense. And it seems that if they did want to pursue it, that you could make it work. So I think this is a big step forward today that, that, that we can actually see it. You could sit down with a piece of paper now and actually plan it all out and say, look, it does actually work because they want to do it. And if that's the case, that's that's half the battle, because I, I, I was always of the belief that when they took this to ownership, they've got to ask for a volunteer. Does anybody want to go to London? Mm. And I think it's a difficult thing to put your hand up and say, yeah, we'll do it. But I think if you've got a team that's now saying, look, we're letting it known here that we, we wouldn't be averse to that. I think that's the biggest battle. Yeah. The biggest battle to get a franchise to actually say, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. If that's happened, it's groundbreaking today. Well, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the commissioner and there's going to be an awful lot of pressure around that table when all he's 32... He's got to do it, Vern. The yeah. commissioner has to do it. When... He's, he's basically built his entire career around expansion to Europe and, and, and being in London and the interna international series game. This is his legacy. You know, every commissioner leaves behind their legacy. Some are good, some are bad. He's built his entire career as the commissioner of the NFL around this. So he, I think he has an obligation during his watch to make it work and make it happen. Well, let's see what the reaction will be when they sit around that table and all 32 owners are pitched the pitch for the Chargers or the Jags coming to London. We'll see what happens. And also, let's not take away the fact that the NFL are doing an awful lot for development of the game within our youth. Yes, uh, they are. You know, we've got the academy, which is which is going great guns by all accounts. We've got the international player pathway where we've seen F.A. Obada go through. We've seen uh, your man, the running back for the Bills. Christian uh, Wade. Christian Wade. You know, he's gone from Wasp. He's gone to Great British and Irish Lions to play in, on the practice squad for the Buffalo Bills. So that is in place. That is all there. The future of UK players or European players in the NFL is already set up. That foundation is up and running. They are in full swing. So now it's down to us, the fan base, to ask ourselves, are we willing to commit ourselves to eight games to watch the same team against a different away team week in, week out? That's the Good, you know, you know, You know the reality, and I, I don't know whether you agree with me on this or not, but I think for it, to be, for it to be sustainable, any professional sports club, franchise, team, whatever it is, you have to have a legitimate number of people that are genuine supporters. So in football terms, in the Premier League, they're your season ticket holders. So yeah, yeah. if you've got 
I, I'm in Nottingham, so I'll give Nottingham Forest as an example. They're a championship team. They've got about 20,000 season ticket holders. So they know every week the 20,000 people are turning up and they know that before the season starts, they've sold 20,000 of those season tickets. They can build a budget around it. They're then confident enough that another seven or 8,000 from the city are going to buy tickets on an ad hoc basis, on a rotation. They're not going to go to all the games. They're going to go to a few. But that means they can sell out to 28,000. And that's because of the 20,000 season ticket holders. Mm. That makes the rest of it happen. We've got to find out whether people in the UK, whether there's 40,000, 50,000 people, 30,000 that will buy a season ticket to watch one team. If you get that, you've then got the opportunity for the rest of the people to buy the individual tickets. They might go to two games. They might go to one to get that rotation in there. Then all of a sudden you've got a sustainable crowd. The big key is going to be, are you prepared to buy the season ticket are you one of the 40,000 to give, the, to give the, the franchise itself the bedrock to be built upon? And I think that's what we don't know. We know that enough people will buy tickets to watch a, a, an amalgamation of teams, you know, eight teams over the course of four games. We know that people will do that. But what if your team's average or not very good? Will you still buy the season ticket to watch that team every week? That's going to be the, the acid test. And that, that, that's the way that any sporting franchise works, isn't it? That you've always got the regular... Uh, customers every week which makes the rest of it manageable and, and that's going to be the key yeah and one quick one I, I think if we were given if we were allowed if our, our team were allowed to step out of various licensing deals you could make some awesome unique merchandise with a London yeah. franchise you know you could say yeah, you, could. You, you know you could say all right who are the icons within British arts, British music, you know, that, that cultural mm. scene. You say, look, Damien Hurst, design us a hoodie. You know, Vivian Westwood, design us something. You yeah. Could, you, could, you could turn on to whoever, you, like Stormzy, listen, come on, do something for us. And you could make that team look absolutely awesome within its own little community. I know, all the ideas are there. And, and I go back to the point I made a minute ago. If, if this is genuine, if it's real, if the Chargers have said, look, you know, we're not averse to this. I think that is the biggest obstacle that this whole process will have had to overcome. I yeah. think the rest of it then starts to look a lot easier, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, Darren. Yeah. Uh, so let's put that to bed, but let's kind of revisit it by... I'm going to ask you, give us your overview. Give us mm. Mark Soda 10 for our NFL UK experience 2019. I've got to tell you, Vern, that I've been to every single international series game and quite a few of the American bowls that we had before. So I'm coming at this from a, from a real position of strength. And I've worked on a lot of them, whether it's been as a commentator or for the NFL UK team. I was fortunate enough this week um, and last week to be part of the NFL UK team. And I was fortunate enough for the first two games to be with you at Tottenham. So I've been, up, been to all four of them. I've got to say that I've had the best experience over four games this year that I've ever had. I love the fact that um, we got to see two different stadiums and it, it was two different experiences. I didn't like Twickenham at all. I didn't think it worked for the NFL. Um, it was too old. The concourses weren't good enough. You couldn't get food and get back to your seat. You've got to go outside. Hated it. Didn't like Twickenham at all. Never been there for rugby, but I hated it for the NFL. The Tottenham experience is completely different to the Wembley experience because it's just about the game. So you get there a bit later, you go into your seat, you watch the game in a brilliant stadium, as good as you're going to find anywhere in the world at the moment, and you go home. 
for two weeks, that was great. But then it was really nice to get back to Wembley and have the tailgate and that whole experience. And I got the impression that the NFL uh, fan in the UK had missed that. I think for four weeks, it's a bit of an overkill. So I think by game three and game four, you've had enough of it. You've seen the alumni. You've seen me and Neil on stage. You've done all this. But I thought for two weeks, everybody was really up for it. So there's a great feel about the tailgate this week. And then you went into the game and, and, and you watched it at Wembley. I would say that if you could get the outside of Wembley and the inside of Tottenham, you've got the perfect scenario. Because Wembley inside, and I think Wembley's a great stadium, but it ain't Tottenham for an NFL game. Tottenham no. is so much better inside yeah. than Wembley. Yeah. And then Wembley, of course, gives you the space outside to do the tailgate and everything else. Well, so, we, we said that when we were sat in the Tottenham Stadium. We're like, yeah. Darren, this, this actual in-game experience is phenomenal. And I think mm. I turned around to you and said, do you know what? I, mi- I missed loitering around outside. I missed yeah. getting to meet fans. I missed getting, you know, that, that inane football chat as to who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl. I love all that. And I, I, think, I think it was sadly missed at Tottenham, but I think it's a nice balance between the old school and the new school in that we do have a premier stadium, but yet where Wembley is, the way they've developed Wembley, uh, no, you know, all right, the car park's gone, it's now flat, but the retail and the food outlets that are available around Wembley are phenomenal. I know. Phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it, it's, it's amazing what they've done to that space, considering that Wembley... The old Wembley was on its knees. The area was derelict. You know, they had a massive drug problem with, with certain areas of Wembley. I know it's all been cleared up. And I know some people would say it's controversial and this, that and the other. But Wembley Stadium now is back where it was in the old, old days, the 70s and 80s. It's a massive stadium. It's huge. It's got everything that you could want. And I think the tailgate, you know what? I would give up 50% of the tailgate for what we what we benefit at Tottenham. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I, I'm kind of happy with that we've got yeah. Tottenham, but I'm also happy that we've got Wembley. So, Yeah, the tailgate was better this year because not only did we have the main stage where we've always had the alumni, they actually put in a mini pitch. Nice. And, and Jason Brisbane, who used to be with the San Diego Chargers, he, he was running that. And then we could take the, the guests onto the pitch and do X's and O's so they could explain to the crowd on the mics how they play their position, if you, we had Tory Holt explaining how you played wide receiver and all this kind of thing, it was another element. It was fascinating. There was a load of people around that particular pitch all day. You know what? I knew you were going to ask me this question today. I knew we were going to talk about it. And I thought, what was different this year? The big thing that came into my mind, I don't know whether you've noticed this, nobody, but nobody, has commented on the quality of the game itself. In the past, we've always got bogged down, whether it was a good game or whether it was a bad game. I think this time, because we experienced Spurs for the first time, we didn't pay too much attention to what was going on on the field. We just enjoyed being there. And then when we got back to Wembley, we enjoyed the tailgate and all that stuff again. So Mm. we enjoyed the day. So I think by breaking it up, people concentrated a little bit less on whether the game was good or not. And they just concentrated on whether they'd had a good day as we used to. So I think that was really refreshing this year. Well, maybe that's maybe that's a significant turning point. And I don't want to dwell on what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, but maybe that is the fact that we are now becoming, and I know the stalwarts of the UK NFL fan base will probably slap me across the face for saying this, but maybe now we are legitimate NFL fans. Possibly, yeah. Maybe now yeah. we're no longer thinking about, oh... We're going to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars get destroyed by the best quarterback in the league, Deshaun Watson. Maybe now we accept it for what it is. And now we're, 
we're, we're treating not just the game as the game or the tailgate as the tailgate, but like you said, a whole day's worth, a whole day's yeah. experience of the NFL because that's what Americans do. Americans treat it as a day out. You start four hours early. You go and get your boiled peanuts, your couple of beers. You sit outside chewing the fat, shooting the breeze with your mates round a barbecue and then you go into the stadium and watch a game and win or lose you go back into the pub or you go back into the car park and you, and you dissect the game and I think it's a great sign for the NFL UK office in that we now want an all encompassing day out at the game not just mourning about oh we're going to get these two teams oh we're getting the Bengals oh we're getting this the guy the other it's like look it doesn't matter we've got the NFL that's what we wanted all along and, and you and I have been saying that for a long, long time. Be grateful yeah. for what we've got. And I think finally this year, like you say, maybe we've got to that point. Yeah, I just think it helps, the fact that you've got two experiences now. I think if all four games are at Wembley and you do the tailgate the same every week, but you change the alumni, then you, you, if you've bought a, a, a season ticket and you're going to all four games, by the time you get to week four, you're thinking, well, this is the same as it was last week. And so now I want a really good game. Otherwise, I'm going to be bored. Mm. I think the fact they only do that twice means that you're up for both tailgates. And then you go into the stadium and you're having a good day. So I think that works. Splitting yeah. it up like that, I think, works. And yeah. I, I, you know, I think that'll help everybody uh, moving forward because I know that it's the most difficult thing in the world to predict whether something's going to be a good game or not pre-season because these teams change drastically from one year to the next. So when the, when the games actually come out, you say, oh, that'll be a good game. And then by week six or seven, both teams stink. And you think, <laughs> yeah. oh, Christ, I was, really, I was looking forward to this. So you can't, the criticism that people get about the games not being very good, there's yeah. no control over it, is yeah, there? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And by the way, you can't boil peanuts, you roast them. No, no, trust me, Darren, trust me. Boiled? Trust me, yep. Super Bowl, Tampa Bay, Cardinals versus Pittsburgh. My brother and you know, I, boiled peanuts. we spent all afternoon around this massive canister, literally <laughs> like a pressure cooker, pressure I've cooker of, of boiled peanuts. Yeah, really? boiled Did peanuts. They're all soggy. No, boiled peanuts. I'm telling Are you, Darren. Healthier. Yeah, healthier well, roasted. I, it, it was an experience. It was an experience. Was yeah, that and uh, well, I said there was me and my brother sat around this big cooking right. pot of peanuts, but it was actually my brother, myself, and Captain Jack Morgan. Okay. Yeah. Who's Captain Jack Morgan? Does oh, he do the rum? Well, Does yeah, he make rum? Yeah. Once you've tasted right, Captain he's Morgan, the one. it's game over. I was over. thinking about the. I was thinking about <laughs> Captain Lou Albano, the one with the elastic bands through his cheek on Cindy Lauper's video. I got him in my mind. What was he doing there? So, so your challenge, right? Your challenge. Bearing in mind this was in Tampa, so it must be a Florida thing. Or, it, or when, I think it's a Pittsburgh thing because we were oh, sat in the Pittsburgh no, tailgate. Are we moving? Are we moving now? Are we? No, 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 when, no, no. When we are in Miami for the Super Bowl, you've got to find me boiled peanuts. All right, okay. That is your. That is your. But do it early in the day because you know I'm in no state to eat boiled peanuts by kickoff time. So this yeah. is going to be early. All right. Well, it, it depends which uh, which senior members of the Football Association are with us on that day, Darren. Right. You course, because that's become a tradition now that we kind of hang out with with yes. Darren Southgate and, and various other. Uh, hey, listen. If, if they're good, Dave Brailsford could, could be giving them to the Sky Team. The, the old uh, exactly. The old cyclist could be on the boiled peanuts going up Alp Duez next year. <laughs> as any, as any. Any Fumbleite at the Fumble, have you ever had boiled peanuts? Boiled peanuts? I've never even heard of them till today. Give us a blast on Twitter, uh, yeah. whether you've had the boiled peanut experience. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We mentioned Super Bowl. Uh, let's yes. get back on track. We've mentioned, hopefully, fingers crossed, all things good for Wembley and NFL UK. Um, let's talk about the season. Let's talk about the fact that we had our teams, we had our picks for the Super Bowl. And obviously, two teams that we mentioned, we mentioned the Patriots, we mentioned the Ravens. The two went head to head. It was a, a battle of the quarterbacks. One old, one very, very young. Both with very unique difference playing styles. The Ravens came out on top. They beat the Patriots. Everyone had the Patriots at the top of their power ranking, which really annoyed me because the Patriots are probably in and have been in the worst division in a long time. Right? Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots. So as Bill Belichick sits down pre-season, you know you've got a very good chance of being 6-0. and Are the New England Patriots overrated at 8-1? I think the record is is inflated at eight and one for exactly the reasons you've just said, and I think the defense looks better than it is because of the the, the, the teams that, that it's been up against. Conceded four touchdowns. Right, but, but what I would say is, if we'd have had this conversation this time last season, you would have said exactly the same. The Patriots then become a different team when playoff time comes around. They're better from December onwards. They kind of people suggest they use the first four weeks as preseason. I think they use the next 10 to just work things out as well yeah. because they're an entirely different team. And I think that if, if, they, if they play Baltimore and Lamar Jackson again in, in January, I think it's a different outcome. And, and I think the Patriots always at this stage of the season look overrated. They don't quite look right. Then when they get to the playoffs, they flick the switch and the shit gets serious. And I think that that'll probably happen again yeah. this year. I don't think, I think if you look, look back, the teams, the only team that Lamar Jackson has beaten first time and second time are the Cincinnati Bengals. I think every other team, when he's won the first game, when he plays them again, they've got a different game plan and they work it out. That's going to be the, the challenge for John Harbour moving forward. Can you see Baltimore in week eight, week nine, and then meet them in the playoffs and, and still be befuddled by the offense? Or... Do you get the tape, you see your shortcomings, and you put a game plan together. The Chargers did it last season. They played them with about four weeks to go. Baltimore won the game. They got to the playoffs, played them entirely differently and beat them easily. And I think that's going to be the challenge. I, I know what I'm going to get from New England, and I know that Bill Belichick's going to come up with some answers. I don't know whether John Harbour's going to come up with the same answers to make sure that his team are better. So I do think New England are, have an inflated record. I think they have been overrated. But they're the last team that I'd want to play if I was a head coach going into a playoff situation. So the Patriots have got the Eagles, then the, then the Cowboys, then yeah. they've got the Texans, the Chiefs, and then they play the winless Bengals, and then they go back to divisional. They yeah, but, you know, last season, I looked at this this morning, they lost five games on the road last year. Mm. They were 11-5, and five, I think, last year. 10-6, and 11-5. and five. They were losing games last year, but when the playoffs came, 
they look completely different. Well, we will see. We will see. Uh... I think they'll lose a few. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the Eagles might beat them. Dallas can beat them. I, I'm interested to see how good the defense is. It's not the 85 Bears. It's not the 2000 Ravens. No. It's nonsense. They're not good enough up front to be that. No. They've got a good secondary, but they're not great up front. And I think that was it was proven on, on Sunday night that you can run on them. And I think that's that's something that they never gave the D-backs the chance to be effective, did they, Baltimore? Because they just shoved the ball down their throat for 60 minutes. Well, when you've got a guy who's literally walking on water, a guy who's got wings and he's flying around the field, literally flying around the field because his feet are so quick and his decision-making is so precise. I mean, this guy can see holes. Like, it's just, I think his vision is phenomenal, the way that he jigs yeah. and moves around. Uh, I think, like, I think, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see people, how Harbour builds this offense around the back half of the season. People make the comparison between Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick. I was listening to a podcast this morning, and Michael Vick was on it. And Michael Vick said the big difference between me and him was this: on the Falcons, only Alan Rossum was faster than Michael Vick. Michael Vick was the second fastest player on the Falcons as the quarterback. He said, wow. that's the big difference. He said, D'Angelo Hall was close to the, the, the corner. Mm. He said, but it was me and Alan Rossum were the two quickest players, fastest players over the 40 on the team. The difference between Vick and, and Lamar Jackson is he's not got that kind of speed. Vick was, Vic was faster. I was fascinated by that. And he was really keen to get that out there. Hey, listen, of course don't he you was. call him Michael Vick. He's not as fast <laughs> as me. I thought that was quite good. The ego never goes, does it, in no. the NFL? The ego never goes. Not at all. It's great. Hey, I've got some numbers for you, you know. All right, go on then. Fire away. Okay, so, let me so, so those, gonna... Hang on, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time to the fumble, Darren always pulls out some marvellous, some wonderful, some awe-inspiring numbers, some digits uh, for us to consume and think about. So what have you got this week, Darren? I've got four this week, four different ones. Um, one of them is around the man that you described as the best quarterback in the NFL right now, Deshaun Watson. I'll save that in a minute. Start with this one. Three quarterbacks, all with the surname Allen, Started on Sunday and all of them won. Wow. Three wins for three quarterbacks, all called Allen. Never happened before. Um, Christian McCaffrey, who we saw at Tottenham a couple of weeks ago, is on course for 2,488 yards from scrimmage. Wow. Which would put him within 22 yards of Chris Johnson's all-time record. So it might be a record-setting season if he can just up the ante a little bit for Christian McCaffrey. Here's your Deshaun Watson statistic. Deshaun Watson's career passer rating now, Vern, is 104.3. He will replace Aaron Rodgers as the all-time leader in that category when he's played enough games. Rodgers is the leader at the minute, 103.3. So he's a whole point better over the career than Aaron Rodgers as it stands. Nobody in the history of the game has had a better passer rating than Deshaun Watson's got now. He's just got to play enough games to qualify for that. That baffles I mean, just, me. Just, I find that really confusing. Just digest confusing. that for a minute. Yeah, just because that for when you watch him play, and I watch him I play closely because he's the quarterback in my fantasy team, he throws an awful lot of incompletions. No, he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, but, there. No, he doesn't. No, no. But, <laughs> that's the thing. But that, that's, that's, what, that's what I mean. In yeah. my head... To the naked eye, you think he does. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's, he's more efficient with the ball than Aaron Rodgers. That's right blown now. me away because I every know. time I watch it, I'm like, oh gosh, come on, come on, come on. But statistically, he doesn't. That's mind blowing. It really is. All right, Darren, what next is going to blow my mind? 
Well, I'll say what I think. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one, by the way. I think I've saved the best one till last, right? So, good old Baker Mayfield. Did he have three shaves during the match at the weekend? I think I think somebody said that he, he was he was actually shaving during the game. Hey, Darren, none of them were close. Hey, oh, hey, hey. Oh, come on, you like that? Not a close, because they're just garbage. Yeah, okay. Right, he's here all week. Um, <laughs> right, so what about this? So, Baker Mayfield could throw 250 touchdowns without an interception and still have a worse touchdown-to-interception ratio than Russell Wilson. Oh, that's embarrassing. 250 that's embarrassing. in a row without an INT. That's embarrassing. And he'd still have a worse touchdown-to-interception ratio than Russell Wilson. That's, that's embarrassing. mad. Yeah, that's embarrassing. He's not. That's how bad he is. He's not having the best of seasons, considering the hype around the Browns, especially their acquisition of... Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, that pair on the ends at wide receiver, pretty decent defence. Baker Mayfield has just not adjusted himself. Or the offence as a whole has not adjusted themselves to compete. It's just woeful. Right, Darren, I'm going to move swiftly on to the two-minute warning because we, we've kind of submerged ourselves in, in the prospects of the Chargers, hopefully, coming to London. We will see. Yeah. Uh, so, two-minute warning, three quick-fire questions. Are you ready, Mr Fletcher? I am absolutely ready, my friend. The most righteous dude you met at the London Games in 2020. A guy that, you, a guy that could come with you and I and have a beer in Miami. I'm going to say Tory Holt. Really? From the Rams. Yeah, brilliant guy. Absolutely superb. Really nice guy. Uh, cool. Um, very articulate. Was great on, 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 on the tailgate with us. Has been here before. Great guy. Absolutely loved Spending some time with Tory Holt. He was brilliant. Love that. All right, let, let's, uh, let's uh, jog your memory again to the four games that we've had at Tottenham and uh, two at Wembley, of course. The single best on-field moment of the four games. Was it Cooper Cup's TD, finish of the Bears, was it Watson's leap, or was it FA leaving the field, or a another? I'm going to go Cooper Cup's TD. I thought that was brilliant. To be in the stadium and see that was astonishing. I would say at the end of the Bears game, had it been a Bears win, <laughs> in mind, it was a Raiders win. Yeah, I hated the end of the game, but I thought Cooper Cup's TD was brilliant. What about you? For the two that you were at, well, I'm going to say the obvious. I think, I think, just that moment of FA getting the crowd riled at the beginning of the game, and then FA walking off, thanking the crowd uh, when the Panthers took to Tottenham. I think that was pretty special. And once again, we should doff our caps to everyone involved in FA's career path. Uh, you know, getting to the Carolina Panthers and getting to this pivotal moment. I think that's a special, special moment. I think there's only the Ian Wright story and maybe the Jamie Vardy story that can parallel FA's story. Uh, and, and even then, when I say parallel, don't even come close to the fact that he's been an amateur and pushed himself into the Premier League's uh, elite uh, or the NFL's Premier League elite. It's, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that people at Spurs um, for that game realised how much you were behind FA. Because you never right? mentioned it. No, I, never, mentioned I it. never shouted his name <laughs> once, did I? <laughs> Every time. Go, FA! Oh, I loved I'm it. all right, Bert. Everybody's know, looking again. I know. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> you were brilliant. You did him proud that day. Yeah. And 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 let's not forget, he, he heard me on the benches. He heard me in turn around and wave, yeah. which was yeah, really oh, nice. did he? Did yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. That I was brilliant. sweet. He, he couldn't not. He was like, fuck old Lego. I know. So, Darren, we've had some, we had some amazing individual performances as well during the four games. Uh, give us your best. I mean, did we see the season MVP? Was it Deshaun Watson? Was it... Uh, CMC, what do you think? 
Cool. Blimey, that's a tricky one. Because if you think uh, about it, if you think about it, we will have seen at right, least at I've least two of the five MVP uh, nominees at Wembley yeah. this year, no, or, or uh, in London. I've got it. It's purely selfish. Go on then. Um, we sat there, and I said to you before the Panthers played the Buccaneers, "Should I play Curtis Samuel in my <laughs> fantasy team because we're going to watch him?" And you said, "Yeah, it'd be fun watching him." He went off, absolutely went off. He's done nothing for me all year. Yet that day at Tottenham, he knew I was there. I think he got two touchdowns. He got loads of catches and it was brilliant. So I love that because I think that's the great thing about when, you, when you've got a fantasy team and you've got one of your players on the field in front of you, you really immerse yourself in what you're doing. So outside of all that, a little personal one, watching one of my guys break out at Tottenham was brilliant. What about you? Oh, I think it was the complete crumble of uh, Jameis Winston. He oh, just I, I think he left himself in the changing wow. rooms and asked one of his mates to kit up for him. Wow. He just didn't show up. It was oh, embarrassing. It was, it was embarrassing. Yeah. It really, really was. But as always, I doff my cap and yours as well. Big round of applause to everyone in the NFL UK office for doing a superb job. Four great games. Uh, and it's always good to see that they all go off so smoothly and swimmingly. Uh, Darren, Do you know what? Fern, let me just tell you this as well. And again, people are going, oh, here he goes. You know what? I, I work in a lot, of, a lot of situations where tensions run high. It's a big event. You do too. It's a big event. There's a lot on the line. People are under pressure. You've got to deliver time constraints, all this kind of thing. They are an absolute dream to work with and work for. They do everything with a smile on their face. Everything comes from the right place. They're an absolute joy to be around. And I tell you what, the reason why this game does so well over here, there are a number of reasons. It's not just because it's a brilliant sport and it's, it's spectacular and it's colourful and it's flamboyant and all that. It's because you've got a driven team of people in the UK that want to make it work. And they deserve a massive round of applause. I hate it when I see criticism because people just don't realise the amount of work and dedication and time an effort and thought that gets put into making sure that everybody's experience is as good as it can be for those four Sundays every year. Congratulations to the NFL UK team. Absolutely nailed it once again. Yeah, they really did. Uh, and long may it continue. Whether the Chargers are our hometown team or not, we will be there next year for hopefully, fingers crossed, four or more games. We will find out. Uh, Darren, have a great week. It's Champions League week. Where are you tonight? I'm going to Stamford Bridge for Chelsea against Ajax. Looking forward to seeing Frank Lampard later. And then I'm off to Milan tomorrow because Atalanta can't use their own stadium because it's crap. So they're sharing, <laughs> they're using the San Siro in Milan. So they play Manchester City. Stadium holds about 80,000. I think we're going to get about 25,000 in there. It'll be bizarre. But City will win. They'll win the group. They'll be fine. So they're my two games this uh, this week in the Champions League, pal. I saw Franco Baresi's testimonial at the San Siro. Oh, what a player. Don't get me started yeah. on the legend that is Franco Baresi. Yeah. What guess, a player. Guess who got the biggest cheer when he walked out onto the field? Oh, I don't know. I don't know who was there. Mark Hately. Oh, did he? Yeah. Mark Hately <laughs> yeah. used to live near me in Nottingham. Yeah. True story. Mark, True story. Right, Mark, Mark Hately used to live near me in Nottingham. And I only found that out because I was in a queue in a chip shop and he was behind me. <laughs> Brilliant. And I said, what are you doing here? He said, I live here. And then I used to see him driving across Mappley Top in Nottingham in a vintage red Ferrari. Real vintage. And he got that when he was at Milan and he had it shipped over. And it nice. was a, what a car. 
Yeah. Mark Aitley, there you go. All right, Darren, it's good to be back on the tracks with you. Really appreciate it, as always. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to all the Fumbleites. You can get in touch. You can give us your opinion, voice your opinion about whether you would be up for taking an eight-week regular season ticket if the San Diego Chargers, LA Chargers, London Chargers were our team. What do you think? Hit us up on the Twitter at the Fumble. Uh, we will see you next week. We promise. This has been a Shooting Shark production. As always, Darren, I bid you farewell. Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a good week.